welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. In this episode, we'll be discussing the fifth of our top 10 traits for world-class customer experience. Implementing actions. And the quicker you do it, the better. And one of my favourite phrases, favourite phrases, is the smallest action achieves much more than the greatest of intentions. Which, I suppose, is obvious. Um, <laughs> but but worth a point worth making, actually, because it, it it's funny, we often talk on this uh, about the kind of frustration of seeing debates developing and people going down rabbit holes rather than getting on and doing stuff. Uh, and really, that's what this, kind of, this one of the traits is all about for me. It's, do you know what? Maybe this isn't quite exactly the right thing, but it's, it's not going to do any harm. It's, it's going to help the customer experience if we did something about this. Let's just get on and do something. A- absolutely. And when you think about the whole act of doing a survey, the whole purpose of it is we're doing this because we want to do something better mm-hmm. for customers to make them more satisfied. So we know we're going to have to do something different than we do today. So the whole purpose of research, and a phrase we probably use quite often, is you know trying to make research actionable. You know, research is always interesting, but it needs to be actionable because this is the fundamental reason that a survey was done, because we want to improve the customer experience for you. So it is interesting that often when you just get to that moment, do people grab the actions? Or do they, let's debate them once more or water them down? Because this is why you're doing a customer survey. I think that word actionable, I find really interesting. Because to me, there isn't, there isn't actually such a thing as actionable insight. I think what you have is a, an actionable combination of insight and um, planning and understanding of the business. Yeah. So for me... In order to get to actionable insight, you need to put together good, solid, robust, interesting customer insight with, and you have to collaborate then. You have to bring it to the people who are actually going to do something. And this is where we would use workshops or you know, th- yeah. those sorts of tools in order to say, well, what, what is the step beyond what the survey says? One of the, one of the advantages of working with a client who is, is, let's say, not towards the top of the league table, it, is that sometimes the actions are so blindingly obvious that it, it seems like you don't need the action planning stage because it's because it's, well clearly we need to, to stop doing this stupid thing uh, so it kind of sits at that level insight can be actionable in itself because the actions speak for themselves and, and i think therefore people get out of the habit or, or they never adopt the habit of saying we really need to work hard to bring what the customer insight is teaching us and collaborate with people who understand their jobs and what they're doing to make stuff happen. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a good point, really well made, Stephen, because that collaboration, it can be dangerous when you're an independent company like, like we are to, to deliver, deliver the results and think, great, that's the job done, final presentation done, got a round of applause, everyone liked it, send the final invoice and see that as the end of the process, where for the client, it is actually the beginning of probably the most difficult part of the process. Commissioning someone is not difficult to do. You know, Driving action and change in an organization is much more difficult. 
And I think that's where the research has to also talk to the organisation and talk to the individuals within that organisation in a way that helps them drive action. And that may be different things at different levels. Linking, linking the priorities for improvement we talked about in the previous podcast, you might be able to link them to bottom line improvement, customer retention, higher spend levels and do some clever correlations which the board find really interesting. However, if you want to change other people's behaviours, you might want to present stuff to them in, a, in using a sort of different metric. So, for example, I think one of the most powerful things that I've been able to link customer satisfaction to numerous times is the amount of inbound calls. Mm -hmm. If customer satisfaction is higher, you'll have fewer inbound calls. That really gets contact centre managers quite interested in taking action if they feel by making customers happy, you know, they could have a fewer inbound calls, therefore employ fewer people. And that actionability, I think, is probably a bit of a too high a generic word for for a lot of what happens, a lot of what happens underneath. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think what what that's an example of. I think is insight addressing beliefs, and you know, I yeah. believe that often you know proactive outbound contact will save you money even though there's a, yeah okay that's that that call is going to cost us x pounds but i think that call will increase you know improve the customer experience and save us y pounds in avoidable contact and i think y is usually bigger than x one of them is very measurable the other isn't and it's <laughs> well, the the sort of proactive outbound contact it's very easy for um, for someone to look at that cost and say we could remove that cost by not by not making that call only by doing the sorts of, of you know research insight and surveys that, that, that we would do for clients only by doing those can you prove the benefit in terms of customer experience and the knock-on benefits in customer behavior to actually address those um, and it, you know when you do gather the data it, it becomes a sum you can Absolutely. answer that question and and it you know I've certainly seen it be the case that, that you know, that removing that avoidable contact saves, you know, is a net benefit yeah. to the business. And as I say, it becomes a mathematical equation and avoids people's theories because mm. you can have your two groups, you can do one with the other, one without the other, and you can look at the difference when, 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 when you plot things. So it, you really can see whether it's a true cost you're saving or a false theoretical cost you're, you're, you know, you're saving. I've only ever seen it be very beneficial, mm. not, not, from a, not from another point of view. I'm a big believer in measuring and managing by measurement, but the trap is that some things are easier to manage, measure than others. It, Absolutely. It's finding ways to make the, the, the harder to measure stuff kind of on a level playing field yeah. with, with the stuff that's easy to measure. Yeah, it's finding the correct things to measure, yeah. not the easy things to measure. And we're probably defaulting to talking about contact centres here because there's lots of measurement take place in a in something that you know, processes a lot of things and has a lot of interaction. So there is a lot of measurement that takes place. It's understanding which of those measurements are the best ones to mm. manage, not just are the easiest ones to have red, amber, and green showing up, yeah. showing up on. One of the things that I wanted to, to ask you about when it taught to implementing actions was because um, we say about doing it quickly. Mm. And one of the things I always sort of think about is if there is a bit of dwelling from 
the well let's go back to the whole process when did the customer actually give that feedback compared to when does that action actually happen so there's the whole bit of where were they in the data collection cycle probably some analysis and reporting on on some reporting of feedback some development of actions some actions happening that doesn't sound quick to me hmm. no it, it, it really doesn't and it, and it, it often <laughs> is it's not it's, uh, <laughs> I mean it, it is it is definitely the case often um, with quarterly reporting but even with annual reporting you get to the situation where by the time you get to actually taking action people rather than doing anything people say oh well it's nearly survey time let's see if that's still a priority for improvement before we do anything um, because it takes so long to get the wheels in motion so um, particularly in year one particularly, particularly in year, year one, one yeah and, and i think you know for me one of the most important things when you start the whole um, process of doing a customer survey is get the dates in the diary for the, for, for the meetings you're going to have to follow it up right back at the beginning and, and make sure you keep the momentum um, that you will have, you know, walking out of the boardroom when you've just delivered the results is a, is a moment where, where there is loads of momentum, everyone's really bought in, you, maybe you've had some arguments, but you've all finished the meeting happy that these are the PFIs. It's really important to grab that moment and keep the momentum going. And as you say, that moment can be planned from day one of survey conception, the day after the results presentation, we sit down and pull together our action plan. We don't think about arranging action plans at the board presentation and start looking at diaries then where it finds that everyone can only get together in two mm. months' time again. Yeah. So that really is. And I think that's... I, I think we have that responsibility on us as specialists and advisors to, to, to point that out to people that our clients don't just see the end point as the results presentation, which I know sounds a bit obvious, but when you all get into the process, it is quite a, a, a natural highlight in, you know, in, in the process. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I have another interesting thing, because the opposite of that is... Um, what we would probably call a hot alert process, mm. which I think is the perfect perfect surveying scenario. That's not so easy to say, um, or for me. Um, and for those of you that don't know, typically a hot alert, as we would define it, is during the interviewing, a customer says something that is very severe, which the client would want to know about immediately. It um, doesn't want to wait for reporting time because it could often lead to loss of business immediately. So one of the things we do is say, hey, you know, providing anonymities, waivers and all that sort of stuff, you know, can we get this back to the client now because you've said something which we know our client will really want to do and, or, or want to action. And I think that in some ways is the perfect um, scenario because when someone actually gets called up about you said this in a survey, I'd like to understand more, or I'd like to understand about it, and it's within 48, 72 hours of saying something in a survey. That is so powerful. Even if nothing really different happens, at least the client is showing, hey, we want to understand what you went through, we're listening, we really do want to take action. And in my experience, often those things are, are right in the quick wins someone fell out of process a bit, and it, it's not major stuff. It's often things that 
that phone call itself can solve. Yeah, I think I have two completely conflicting views about hot alerts, uh, which, which I'll give you both of. So, I mean, on the one hand, I, t I completely agree. I think, you know, for that customer, it's definitely the right thing to do. It's, you know, again, on a, in a B2B, business-to-business relationship, it, you'd be, I think, mad not to have them. Yeah. Business to consumer, I also think you should have them, although I guess it's financially less clear cut. Um, just as a, a little anecdote, I was getting a taxi a couple of months ago, chatting away to the taxi driver as you do. Um, he asked me what I did, so I told him, and he said, oh, those customer surveys, I never bother doing them. I rolled my eyes slightly, because this is something you hear a lot, <laughs> if that's what you do for a living. Um, and he said, that, you know, the reason I don't do them is because you take, you take the time to fill out the survey in you know, 10, 15 minutes, and then you never hear back from them. I thought, that's really interesting because actually, don't, don't you owe him 10, 15 minutes of, fee of feedback on his specific... You know, couldn't someone at you know, O2 or whoever it was he was complaining about take that time to do it? And I'm not, I'm not saying O2 don't do that. I have no idea if they do or not. But Just for legal reasons. Whatever there. the organisation is, couldn't, you know, couldn't they take that 10 minutes to give him a, a personalised bit of feedback? Even if it wasn't personalised, I think when people or customers have given you their time free of charge, at least to be going back saying, thank you for taking part in the survey, it's appreciated. Mm. I mean, that takes very little effort from an organisation, but customers are willing to give something here. And as we know, generally are very willing to give something, will happily spend 10 or 15 minutes of their time giving constructive feedback so even just I just think good manners is saying thanks for taking part in you know in the survey I, I agree and I, and I think when they've taken the time to really think about as you say constructive feedback I think it would be smart to kind of reward that with with, with a, a personalized response the flip side the, okay the, the, the reason that I'm sometimes a bit nervous about hot alerts is that the trap can can sometimes be that we forget the whole point of survey research, which is we're talking to a sample of customers who are representative of the whole population the of whole customers. Population, yeah. um, so we do, as well as dealing with the specific problems, we do need to learn the systematic uh, failures that we need to address. Yeah, and I, I know what you're saying. It can become a little bit of a, not a complaints do, mm. to-do list, but yeah, people can be doing that and, ignore, and sort of not seeing the bigger picture as you say, you know, what we're trying to do is represent all customers here, not just the ones who we happen to have interviewed. Um, I think that's really trying to also make the hot alert and the survey different bits in the process to mm. different people. Um, I know generally for a good hot alert system, you want to have agreed with the client that someone is going to call back because you want to say to the customer, hey, someone's going to call you back within 48, 72 hours. You really need to say, and it's going to be Greg or Stephen who's calling you back, you know, to give them a, you know, a, a name to make it really well. And you probably need to check that Greg or Stephen indeed are, are the right people to call back, have the time to call back and aren't going to have 1,000 hot alerts and need to deal with mm -hmm. in, a, in, in a week. I think they need to be seen as the true idea of a hotter, uh, you know, alert. It's an exception and it's something that can't wait, um, can't, can't wait. But it's a really good way of taking action and a really visible way of, of taking action. And I think when we look at um, the 10 things, surveys are about 
taking action. That's why you. That's why people do them. So it's so important to have those latter steps already in mind, whether it's the meeting after the board meeting with the board or it's having something in process that says, actually, it's not going to be a surprise when we get results because we're going to have to do something different. So let's make sure... You know, we've got budget put aside, we've got troops mobilised, we've got a communication plan of we're going to say thank you and, you know, we can think about that right at the beginning of the process, not just at that moment. Yeah. I think um, one, one probably final point for me I wanted to make on this this one is as you go, you know, as you, you come up with your action plans, you start doing stuff, Keep a log of the actions you have taken, Good point. because Good point. it's really easy to forget everything you've done, and you sort of you get to the end of the year. You think, oh, let's feed back to customers everything we've done, and and, and you forget because it's now the new normal. Um, so it, it is worth just keeping track, making sure you kind of, you know, uh, celebrate all all the things that everyone in the business has done to contribute to, towards the PFIs. Absolutely true. We've both seen two clients who spoke at our client conference who have. Um, who have a wall, I mean, lots of our clients have walls, to be honest, but on, on, <laughs> <laughs> on, um, on these walls is a history of actions they've taken. Mm. And it is so impressive to see what has taken part over time. Because um, it just, again, does that, the, the, the virtual circle of if you do stuff, you know, that means customers will notice it will get better. And you don't want people leaving the organisation or, or forgetting what was done, mm. um, particularly in sort of the journey that you've been on, because I think part of keeping the momentum of the journey going at times is to look back and celebrate the past successes of that journey and a little bit of reminder, hey, do you remember oh, it was tough then, but we came up with stuff? And, you know, and that's part of keeping the momentum going is um, just reflecting on the past occasionally. Hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, that, that probably seems to be everything on, on implementing actions. I've, I've certainly run out of stuff to say, so, <laughs> so as long as you have as well. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you're using iTunes, please subscribe, rate and review us. Uh, and if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at TLF Research or at tlfresearch.com. And we'll be back next month with some more ideas about how you turn your customer insight into impact and action as we look at more of the top 10 traits that world-class organisations do. Thanks for joining us. Thanks.